Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the MGM. I think this is like the penultimate session of the day, so thank you very much uh, for coming over here. Uh, my name is um, Jonathan Allen. I am an enterprise strategist at AWS. What does an AWS enterprise strategist do? Well, I've been with AWS uh, for two and a half years. Previously, I spent 17 years working for a bank. Um, the last three years of that journey as a divisional chief technology officer as we went to the cloud and learned an awful lot um, about people, process, and technology on that journey. Um, and today, um, we're going to be talking about, obviously, how to go from zero to hundreds of certified AWS engineers. Um, and I'm going to talk about why that should be a goal, and also how you skill, and, and all about the people element of that journey. So today, we're going to cover 12 steps that you can go and apply on your own journeys as you go to cloud. And I'm delighted that joining me on stage is also National Australia Bank and Paul, and Paul will be coming on for the second half of the presentation and sharing their story at National Australia Bank, and I'm not gonna steal his thunder <laughs> in that regard. So, as you know, uh, and as Andy talked about this morning in the keynote, there are thousands and thousands of enterprises moving and running on Amazon Web Services at scale. And the technology for cloud migration and cloud use is proven. We've seen it with those thousands of enterprises, and indeed millions of customers when you look across the entire landscape running on AWS. Using obviously 175 plus services, these don't include the ones that Andy launched this morning. But it's not the technology that's actually the hard part of using or moving to use AWS. It is the human element. It's the conversation I have around the world is how as leaders, as managers, as practitioners, can you actually reskill yourself to use the cloud? And actually when you start looking at AWS, if you're an engineer or you're leading engineers who have been racking and stacking hardware for years, they're very good at it. And actually, when you start talking about moving to the cloud, actually, people are going to wonder how that's going to impact their career. They're going to wonder what is the fear and ambiguity that that drives. Because obviously, as humans, we're programmed to fear the unknown. It's just inbuilt in all of us. So then you're going to get resistance of the journey of what it means to me as I'm going through it. And particularly, what about when you're in predominantly outsourced environments or a real mix of outsourced, outtasked, on-premise, or your own, your own people? It can get really complicated in that human element. So what do you do? Well, when I was faced with this, I had a choice. Do I hire new? And as we know, actually hiring new people can take a really long time. And I remember on my journey writing this unicorn job specification for my ideal candidates of new engineers and actually being met with profound inbox silence because we weren't known for running on the cloud. So it's really hard to attract people to join you before you're running on the cloud. So you're actually left with a chicken and egg situation. But really, the truth that I realized on my journey was the people and the team I had with the team I needed. They just needed a path forward. They're extremely talented engineers and developers. And of course, training the existing is obviously less expensive, scales, and is much faster. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that training is just the tip of the iceberg of the change we're going through. And when you look at it, you actually need a holistic approach, something that's going to take on board the whole journey. Actually, as I was going through the journey, I felt more like a psychologist than a technologist. And I had a really good partner who actually, um, HR partner, who bought me this book from Daniel Pink called Drive. Really interesting book on what motivates humans generally. And in that book, Daniel talks about a few things. How do you motivate humans generally? Like what, what do most of us, how do we motivate ourselves? And when you look at it, it comes down to three things. Autonomy. We want to do things how we want to do them. If I want to do something or a task at 4 p.m. today or 10 a.m., I want to do it that way. If I want to leave early because I've got a family commitment, so I want to leave at 3, then I might want to start early as well. That's autonomy. And it's exactly the same in how we do our day-to-day -day work as engineers, developers, managers, leaders. We also want to have mastery. We want to be really good at something. We want to be the experts in that thing. And guess what? If you're an engineer or a developer that's doing, been doing something a certain way, you're probably extremely good at that and known for that thing. And purpose. Generally, we want to make sure that what we do has purpose in our mission, our company's mission, our company's goal. We want to be really close to that. And the really good news is that obviously when you move, as many organizations have, to agile, especially with cloud, when you can consume these things as APIs, all three of those things can come true when you're working in a small team. But how do you get started if you're not there yet? What's the right way to get started on this journey? So with the benefit of hindsight from my own journey and from many of the customers I've worked with around the world, here is 12 steps that actually worked really well. Let's cover the first one. I think as leaders and managers, it's important to note that this is happening. It feels a little bit like being on a roller coaster. There are twists, there are turns, there are highs, there are some lows, and leaning into that is super important. It is not going to be a straight line from A to B. So just acknowledge that we're going through that. And certainly one of the major steps that all of us know, we're aware of change curves. We're all aware of that. I had to be reminded of actually how you get through a change curve. My own change curve when I'm faced with new data is about a quarter of a second. But for some people, it can take a really long time. So actually, obviously, when you're announced that something is going to change or how you are doing something, the perfectly first human reaction is denial. Won't affect me. How do you combat denial? Well, you've got to create alignment. People have got to understand where they are going to be in this journey. So you've got to take every opportunity to communicate one-to-ones, team meetings, town hall meetings, communications. Everybody's going to go on this journey. Inclusiveness, really important. Now you'd be met with frustration. I don't know how to do this. I'm used to doing how I work for the last 10 or 15 years. This is how I work. I'm not used to learning or doing this differently. I do not like it. So how do you combat frustration? As a leader, you've got to over-communicate, over-communicate, over-communicate. Then, of course, we get depression. I give up. I don't know how to do this. Then it's really important to spark motivation. Then experiment. You've got to experiment. You've got to see that it's better. Typically, as humans, when we see that something is materially better, we are actually attracted to it. 
and acceptance. Finally, when you use it and you see for yourself it is better, then you move into acceptance. So remembering change curves as a refresher is super important. And then leading with that is classroom training. Training is really useful. I know from my own experience, though, training is best used before you put together a team that is now going to use it. If you just try and blanket training everywhere, before people get a chance to put their training into action, you're going to have difficulties. It's going to be harder than it needs to be. And here's just a selection of some of the courses with foundational developer courses, the operations engineer courses, the architect courses, some of the secrets to cloud transformation, big data. Obviously, security is job zero for us all. And then machine learning. These are just some of the classroom courses that we offer. But which ones do I think are the very best to get started? It's these two. The technical essentials course and the architecting on AWS. Because you can do these in four days. So you can put a team together to go through these. These give you a really good base overview of what's going on with the different technical essentials, the different base elements, the EC2s, the IAMs, security groups, NACLs, and a lot of security in there. Rightly so. Next step, and something I learned, all of us need a safe place to learn, a sandbox environment. A couple of years ago, Thomson Reuters stood on stage and talked about how they're giving all of their engineers and developers their own sandbox account. It's never going to host production. It's going to have a billing alert threshold in it. You can actually learn so much on the free tier, but it's the ability to get your hands on into the console and configure and use and build. Really important. I have seen some enterprises create a sandbox and then lock it down. I understand why they're doing that, because they don't want production in there. They want the security to be perfect. Work with your solution architect to figure out the right safe way to give people access to a sandbox environment that they can use, they can play, they can experiment, they can learn. Super important. Next step, and certainly on my own journey, putting together my first cloud platform team. Really, really important. Now, why have I got two pizzas on the screen? As many of you may know, in Amazon, we have this concept of a two-pizza team. The team should be no bigger than can be fed by two American-sized pizzas. So typically, you're talking six to 12 people, no more than 12. And you've got to be really thoughtful here of adding people beyond that number, because the moment you add another person, you've increased the number of lines of communication a team's got to maintain. So I actually think there's a sweet spot here of 8 to 10. But the key here, for if, you're, if this is the first time you're using AWS, is to put in all the skills in that team you need to be successful. As a leader, figure out what are the skills that might stop this team from being successful. So there you go. A quote from Jeff Bezos, who coined this term back in the early 2000s. So what should a team look like? Well, having a product manager, super important. Having somebody who has the right um, both technical ability and ability to engage and communicate what's going on with all the other teams, really important. Then, of course, having an architect who can come in and help with the holistic thinking of all the components we've got to think about. And then infrastructure engineers, super important. These are the folks 
that really matter. Yes, they may have been in their previous life racking or stacking hardware and configuring, upgrading different hardware types, operating systems. In my experience, though, they're very familiar with command line. They're very familiar with things like cron jobs. It's not much of a leap to understand how to develop cloud formation code from that. In fact, I found some of the best pivots have been folks who have done command line, have done Linux. They really understand, actually, it's just a config file. And it's actually now creating infrastructure as code. So these folks are really important still. In fact, they can be really super valuable in DevOps teams. Maybe you need to still have a segregation of duty when you um, develop DevOps. You can still have that with infrastructure engineers and software engineers coming into the same team. In my experience, software engineers love building code, they love the logic, they love the data, and infrastructure folks still have vast experience of IP address, DNS, storage types, backup, how we're doing high availability. That skill still matters. And then, of course, security engineers. You're going to want to put a security engineer on your first team. It is job zero for us all. We're going to want to understand the guardrails as we use that are going to be right for our enterprise as this team builds out and uses the different base tool sets. We're going to want to get that right. Operations engineers. In my experience, these are the folks that understand how the environment's monitored, how it's maintained, how we've gathered logs. Let's be inclusive. Let's include them to make sure we're bearing that in mind as we move forward into our cloud environments. And then, of course, application engineers. You want to bring in your developers. You want to bring in your testers. Again, think about the resource types for this first team. So there you go. You end up with a team of six to 12 people. Now, I know straight away, sometimes you want to, if this is your first team, you want to take some of your best engineers and put them in this team. And I know they're sometimes assigned to other pieces of work that are really important to your business. But this works very best when these are dedicated resources, not a side of the desk activity. If you're going to make the change, you've got to commit the resources to set it up right for the journey. And, and just a top tip, your goal here is to put this virtual team together, not lean into changing reporting structures straight away. Because as obviously who we work for, who our manager is, is emotional for us all. It's very important. So the goal is to get this virtual team together and to deliver something. That's the goal here. Now, when I put my first team together, extremely gifted engineers, very talented, but a lot of opinions on what good cloud looks like. You're probably bringing together lots of folks with deep experience of how to do on-premise, maybe some experience in cloud. You can actually get a lot of opinions on what good cloud looks like at this point. How do you get to the point where you get to experts in this team. Now, on my own journey, I went out and had a lot of conversations with different partners, different global system integrators. How can I reskill this? And I was really fortunate to actually work with CloudReach, who are born in the cloud provider and gave me one really skilled engineer. And I placed that one skilled engineer into this cloud platform team. And then they did pair programming. So pair programming is a concept from extreme programming where you have one machine, two keyboards, two mice, two monitors, and together you go from the bash shell to write cloud formation and understand how you generate it. It was like putting rocket fuel in the team. So important. 
Because I know myself, I'm British, so if you put me in a technical training course, I will not ask an embarrassing technical question. I just won't. But if I'm sitting next to Paul, and he's showing me how to write something, I will ask all sorts of questions. This is actually how engineers and developers have trained for many years. Why have we denied the ability when we're trying to go through a change curve of operating this way? It's one of the very best techniques. So pair programming really works. And pair program one-on-one -on -one with all of those people in that team of here's how to do it the right way. The person I actually worked with was professionally certified. Really helped, really accelerated the journey. So pair program with a partner. And your aim here is to have this team to be self-sufficient, not dependent on other folks, to be self-sufficient, to understand how to service themselves through APIs. And what's their goal? If this is your first time using AWS, their goal, that I've worked with many customers around the world, should be to get to production in 90 days with something. If this is your first goal, production in 90 days. If you're already running on AWS, a lot less. But if this is the first time you're bringing the team together, this is a really good goal. And ship something to production that matters to your business, not proof of concept. It's got to matter to your business stakeholders and partners on why this is different. And it's got to matter to that team. Because again, coming back to that motivation key, purpose, really important. It's got to matter. And then on my own journey after 90 days, I did something that the team wasn't happy about. I split the team. How am I going to go beyond one team? And this is where we see a lot of enterprises getting stuck. They create a cloud team, and that team can end up becoming a bottleneck, actually, to their journey to the cloud. Here, I'd say, look at a process of cellular mitosis instead. How am I going to split this team from one into two, to two into four, four into, four into eight? This is the goal. So split the team after 90 days. So I took a team from 12 into two sixes, brought more people in who didn't know cloud, brought another person in from my partner to do pair programming, did classroom training for those who hadn't gone on it, gave them a sandbox account, got them to do something for real. Now we're starting to actually become almost programmatic of how we're doing this. And it was this point when I got to about four or five teams, I noticed a difference. Some of the teams were getting through their guardrails, their security guardrails, and getting to production much faster than others. What was different? Well, the difference is one of the teams had really pushed ahead with taking the AWS exams largely off their own back. So when you look at the exams, there's foundational, there's associate, there's professional, and there's speciality. And we realized the team that was actually going on this journey themselves, largely without support from the leadership team, were far more effective in their ability to execute. So clearly, certifications matter. And it turns out they matter a massive, massive amount. So when you look at currently at the 11 exams available from Amazon Web Services, I would say cloud practitioner, useful. But I actually say, would say the first goal would be solutions architect. It's a tough exam, but that's good. I've seen institutions and enterprises around the world use the ability to pass that exam like a driving license to use cloud. 
Because a lot of that first exam not only covers the base components, but of course covers how to secure those base components. For years in technology, we've dreamt that everybody's a security engineer. Well, do you know what? When everyone's actually passing an exam, where they have to learn how to secure those base components, you're starting to get a leapfrog on that, that aspiration. So getting certified, super important. So let's take a step at what we've covered so far. So we've covered classroom training, pair programming, sandbox. Of course, the entire AWS website, all the documents, the links, the white papers, hugely important. But again, in my experience, all of us like to learn in a slightly different way. So one of the other great uh, ways I've seen many organizations is to use some of the fantastic online training there from a cloud guru. Anyone heard of a cloud guru? Yeah. So many of you. So this video is going to be wasted on hey, you a little bit. Hello, Gurus, and thank you so much for taking this course. So my name is Ryan Krinenberg. I'm one of the co-founders of A Cloud Guru. I'm an Amazon Web Services community hero as well as an Alexa champion. I've been teaching AWS since 2015, and I've taught AWS to over 1 million people so far. I'll stop there. So Ryan Cronenberg and Sam Cronenberg founded a Cloud Guru. It's, a, it's great. The online training courses they offer are exceptional in my experience. What you can also do is actually purchase a subscription to our Cloud Guru through the AWS Marketplace. So everybody in your company with an email suffix that you choose can now log on and train if you choose to purchase that. That's really effective. So what you're doing as a leadership team now is operate, offering multiple different paths on how people want to reskill. Super, super effective. And it's not just a Cloud Guru. There's also Cloud Academy available also that offer online training. So this is really important. And here's the key. Your goal is to get to 10% of your technology folks certified. Why 10%? I did not know this. But actually, psychologists have known this for a long time. When 10% of a population have a passionate belief about something, the majority will always adopt. So 10%, and we see this around the world. When you get to 10%, there's a hockey stick of adoption because suddenly everyone else goes, gosh, I feel like I'm being left behind. I want to actually get into this. And it's at that point when you get to this 10% that having those other mechanisms ready, so the ability to get to classroom training, the ability to get to online training, the ability to get to a sandbox account, the ability to get to um, pair programming, super important, because now you're getting to this inflection point, you want to grab it. Because now you start getting the network effects of having a common language, this common vernacular of how to actually use AWS and code properly. Now things start to get really, really exciting. So get to 10% and recognize the mastery of doing so. You can do this in so many different ways. Paul's going to talk about some of the ways they did it. Really clever, simple things. Having a global roster on an intranet of who's passed which exam where they've got to. It can get really competitive. That's a good thing. You know, giving away gift vouchers at a town hall meeting, shouting out for those people that have it, a special chair. Whatever happens, recognize the mastery and effort because, again, that talks to the second part of the equation. Really important. And, of course, the first part of the equation, autonomy, we're now putting people into these small, agile teams. These engineers and developers now start to decide what's the cadence of how they deliver. As you move away from probably waterfall delivery, where you've had project management dictating, now the team are choosing. So now you're actually addressing the autonomy, the mastery, and the purpose 
from all angles. And I remember um, standing in a room like this on my own journey when we figured out that certification was really important and asking everybody to get certified and putting my arms like this. And of course, what happened? Somebody in the front row went, well, that's great, Jonathan, so when are you going to take the exam? And I did not have a good answer. And I mumbled, and I sort of walked around a little bit, walked off stage, and thought, well, this is terrible. And I hadn't taken an exam for ages. I was a CTO, let's be honest. I spent most of my time doing email and spreadsheets. But I went home, I booked the exam two months forward. Didn't tell anybody I'd booked the exam, of course I didn't. And at 10 o'clock at night, when I had a little bit of time to myself, I logged onto a cloud guru. I did the videos. I logged into the account. I created services. I built infrastructure. And for me, it was really illuminating, because you have assumptions on how you think things are. You hear the language. But only when you actually get in there and do it for yourself do you know. And I walked into the exam, and I passed. Now, I'm not going to share my pass mark with you, because a pass is a pass. But when you pass, they email you a really nice PDF certificate with a reference board number on. And at the next town hall meeting, now was my chance to do the penultimate slide one more thing and put the pass slide up. Apart from the fact nobody believed me, but there is a referenceable lookup number. And it's really important. So you think about all the different mechanisms we've talked about, getting to that 10%, and as a leader, actually leaning into it and going, I'm actually going to take this exam myself. I want to understand how hard it is. I want to learn myself. It's super important. And normally at this part of the journey, and what I find around the world is people go, well, what does it mean now you've moved people to different teams? What does it mean to the job families or the job roles they were in? And yes, they start to change. But it's not something you start at the start of your journey. You go through this. And what I found on my own journey is that my engineers and developers started to challenge me on actually the job families they were in didn't make a lot of sense. So now is the time to look at actually what is the right time for the job titles you're seeing and are right for your enterprise. And every enterprise is different on how they want to do this. So you start to see job titles like technical program manager coming in to manage the interdependencies between the small teams. Because of course, there'll still be interdependencies when you're managing big changes and you're delivering technology. Of course there will between the small teams. You start to actually see AWS infrastructure engineers come to prominence. So typically these have been the infrastructure engineers who obviously racked stacks, maintained hardware, ran it, took a lot of pride in that. Well, they still have a really important role, in my opinion, in these developed DevOps teams. If you still want to have a segregation of duty, you can still maintain it when you have these engineers. They still have a heck of a role. And in my experience, they have a lot more fun being far closer to the business teams now on developing code that's going to make an impact to customers. Of course, software quality engineers. Testing is still really important. Test-driven design. A lot of teams move to do their tests and write their test cases before they even write code. Software development engineers, of course, looking after the business logic of what we're trying to code. And security engineers and operations engineers are still required, along with engineering managers. There are still a strong set for that to come through. A lot of times, the directors or the senior managers who've been managing the traditional on-premise technology silos ask, well, what am I now going to do? 
well, you still have a really important role. You know how to lead teams of engineers and developers. Your role can now pivot into many different ways. Are you going to be a product manager? Are you going to help your business colleagues on how to manage these small, agile DevOps teams leveraging cloud? There's still a real role there. And that, in my experience, that's what happens. And their role becomes a lot more exciting than it used to be. So there you have it, 12 steps. And I'm absolutely delighted now. I'll let you take a picture of that. To introduce my good friend, Paul, from National Australia Bank. Paul. Thanks, Jonathan. So my name's Paul Silver. Um, I'm a manager engineer at NAB. Um, NAB is one of, known as one of the big four, so one, one of the big four banks in Australia. We've got about nine to 10 million customers, and we've got about 900 locations across the world. Um, and I'm gonna tell you a really, really interesting figure now, and I'd like you to remember it, and also think about your organization on this. Because my goal today is to actually give you some actual examples of how we've implemented the 12 steps, and what you could do now and take away from yourselves from this uh, presentation to actually drive it yourself. Um, so we have an organization of 30,000 people. So 30,000 people, so I just want you to remember that. So I'm gonna take you on my personal journey and on NAB's journey as we went through our uh, migrations. So let's go back in time, back to November 2017. So our um, board of directors have decided in 2017 that we're gonna change the way that we do things. And up until then, we were very much a data center driven area. So we've got two data centers highly available to actually do disaster recovery. We spent a lot of time and effort to do it. Um, and also we weren't that agile. To actually get a machine up and running took an awful long time. And so we couldn't meet our customers' needs and we couldn't meet our business needs. So we knew we had to do things differently. So we actually came up with a strategy called Cloud First. And so that was in 2017, they actually announced that. So obviously we need to change what we're doing from a technical perspective um, and also from the business perspective as well because this journey is not technical, obviously is technical, but it's not just the tech you need to change. You actually need to change your organization as well. And so we went out to market and we said, in our journey, we're gonna go and find 2,000 technical cloud um, engineers. So I don't know if anyone's been to Melbourne or knows about Melbourne, it's a very small, um, finite resource set over there. So there's no way we could actually find 2,000 engineers to actually fill our needs. Um, so we had to do it differently. So I'm now gonna take you on my journey of how I actually created the NAB Cloud Guild. And you'll, as we go along, you'll see some of the mechanisms you can actually take for your organization as well. So the first thing to do is gather your facts and data. Something I learned really, really um, early on was you need to back everything up with your facts and data. So let's go back to my first point about 30,000 people. So I went out to the whole of our technical organization and you can see uh, over here on this slide, we had seven people who were certified. So if you go back to your organization now, Go and find out how many people you've actually got certified. You'll be quite amazed if you haven't started your journey yet. Um, also, in 2017, my job was different, so I wasn't a manager engineer then. I was actually a DevOps engineer. 
And my goal or my job was to actually take service owners through the journey and get them into cloud. What I found was every single time we went to have these conversations with these different teams, the same conversations kept on coming up. So you're not allowed to, it's not secure. Um, our governance says you can't do it. The speed is too slow. There was all of the same conversation happening. The first thing we had to do every time we went into a team was we had to get around that conversation. So it was wasting a lot of time for us. Um, the second thing I noticed, um, has anyone heard of the five well-architected pillars of AWS? A few nods. So if you haven't, I would definitely recommend to go and read that white paper because it's really, really important to understand the five pillars. And what I was finding as we were taking these teams on the journey was that they were missing two major components of the five well-architected pillars. They were actually missing cost optimization every single time, and they were also missing operational excellence. Those pillars seemed to be missed all of the time. And they always, always said as we went through each team, they said, I know cloud, I'm really good at it. So, okay, that's great, but how do I know you're good at it? And that's where certification comes in. So, let's fast forward um, to August 2017. So what I did here was, I wanted to train the organization to do it better. I knew, I had the passion, I wanted to actually make sure that we were going to cloud correctly. And so I kicked off a, an enablement program where over my lunches, because um, I still had my day job, I actually went off and trained people to actually learn different segments of AWS. And over 12 weeks, the idea would be, over those lunches, to actually go off and get certified. So um, first of all, I went out to those teams, and it was very, very clear early on that everyone wanted to learn. They just needed to be enabled to learn. So started off, and on the Monday, all of a sudden, I've got 20 people I'm now training. So on one week, I'd do EC2. On the next week, I'd do S3. On the week after that, VPCs. And by the end of the 12 weeks, we started to actually get some traction. People started to understand it a lot more. Um, before I knew it, all of, my, all of my lunches were actually taken. So I, was, I basically hit my capacity. I couldn't do any more without changing my role. So. Um, what we did, um, I reached out to the rest of the wider community. So then we had three of us in the organization who were now doing the same thing. Then we hit our next hurdle. So the next hurdle was we couldn't get any rooms. So we could not find the actual rooms. And we couldn't scale anymore after this. Another really important thing that you guys can do today, um, has anyone heard of a community of practice? Mm -hmm. A couple of nods as well. So if you haven't, a community of practice is where you get a lot of like-minded people together and talk about a subject matter. So in our case, we actually had a community of practice in that, but we weren't doing it as well as we could have. So um, what I mean by that was AWS were coming in, and they were explaining to us all of the, the new greatest and latest things. Now, we're a bank. We can't use that for many, many months, and we've got to do our due diligence on every service we use. So there was almost a little bit of frustration there because we couldn't actually go off and consume these services. So we changed it. So the first thing we did actually was moved it to lunch. So it was over a lunchtime, and that was really, really important because then everyone who wants to learn can get there. If you don't do it at lunch, um, and you do it during the day, what you'll find is other people have got their normal day-to-day -day meetings, and they'll be too busy. Um, we also tried to do it before and after work as well. Um, we found lunch was where you got the most numbers. So. 
um, we changed the community of practice for NAB employees to talk about what they're doing as opposed to AWS telling us about the new stuff that's coming out. And that starts the journey of being a sharing community. So let's say as an example, I've got someone who's got a really good Lambda pipeline and they go up, they give a presentation on the Lambda pipeline. All of a sudden, someone said, oh, I was going to do that. I'll just grab your Git repo and I can go off and consume it and make it better. And that's how we actually started to uh, scale and talk about this technology. Now let's fast forward again. So March 2018, so quite a, a little bit after I started, we've actually trained about 150 people. Um, but that's not a lot if you think about the amount of time it's taken. And we've actually done really well. We've doubled the number of people who are now certified in the organization. But still, that's not a great big number. It's only 15 out of 30,000 people. It's not huge. Um, in NAB, we have a great policy called Back the Bold. So um, we had a new CTO come in called Patrick Wright, and he said that we need to train everyone and enable them because we can't get the hires. So I put my hand up, and I said, I'd like to own that. Um, I'd like to uh, run that for the whole enterprise. And he said, give me a business plan. So I did. So this is based off the 10% that Jonathan was talking about earlier. And it is absolutely accurate that exactly when we hit the 10% people trained, the conversation has changed as well. So um, talking about my business case, what I did was 30,000 people. So 10% of 30,000 is your 3,000. So I put my business case forward to train 3,000 people in cloud technology. Then a great thing happened. We actually became, um, um, got to go and talk at a keynote um, presentation at AWS Summit in Sydney. Um, and we talked, um, um, Patrick Wright spoke about um, our journey and what we're going to be doing for the next couple of years. And he also announced the NAB Cloud Guild. Now just think, I only put the business case in two weeks ago. Uh, it's just me at the moment um, to actually drive this. So I actually had to go off and spin up my own assets inside of AWS to get things working. So I spun up a website internally, and then um, so that everyone could start registering, I can get an, uh, an understanding with metrics of, of um, the numbers of people who want to go through. And it was really, really important to do that because I needed those facts and figures. Um, AWS talk about the one door or the two door um, that you can go through. So if you open it and you've got the one door, you can't go back. If you've got the two door, you can open it and shut it and come back. One of the important things I learned is always gather the data. Because if you've got the data, you can always go back and feed it into the enterprise tools, which is exactly what we ended up doing. Because we were moving so fast, our legacy applications could not actually scale. So that was announced on the 27th of um, April, 2018. And uh, our uh, NabCloud Guild was started. So I'm going to talk about lessons learned. So it's OK to fail. Fail fast, move forwards. Um, I did a lot of trying things out as I was driving this technology. But as long as I had that data, I was happy that I could always feed it back into the uh, legacy apps. Um, feedback loops, incredibly important. How do you know you're actually meeting what your customers want? In my case, the whole of the rest of the enterprise. So feedback loops are incredibly important. And one of the feedback um, sessions I had was, um, I think it was our largest um, event we, we kicked off. We had about 250 people to come in and do Tech Essentials on the first launch. And I wasn't ready. Um, I've doubled my team now, I've got two of us. Um, and, but we weren't ready to actually take that sort of load. So what we did 
was we got everyone to write their emails down when they came through so I could then re-put it in. Um, one, of the, one of the people gave me um, some good feedback. He said, I thought we're meant to be going to a tech organisation. Why are we still writing it on paper? And he's absolutely right. Why were we? So that weekend, I spun up another box and got it working that everyone could self-register. And the other thing I did as well was um, I had to go and input all of that data as well. So that removed all of that admin for me too because um, I was spending many, many hours trying to put all of these emails in and it was wasting everyone's time. Um, the next thing, celebrate success. It's really, really important. I'm going to embarrass a couple of guys now, um, but those guys have got an AWS certified T-shirt. Can you just stand up? So what we do at NAB, and it's a really, really simple thing, if you get certified, thanks guys, sorry. <laughs> if you get certified, you get one of these. And it doesn't matter if you're a consultant or a contractor, whatever you, um, if, as long as you're certified, we want to make, make a success story of you. And we started doing that, and what I've asked people to do is make sure they wear it on a Friday. And so I, I have a proud moment when I see all these T-shirts floating about on a Friday. But the whole point of that is that you're, you're elite. You know, you've gone and done the extra mile. You've gone and actually got certified. And it's hard. It's not easy. You've got your day job. You've got your family life. And now we're, we're asking you, we're expecting you, you've got to get certified. You know, you're a hero. You're, you're great. You've, you've managed to do it. So we really, really want to celebrate those successes. And the other great thing as well, it um, also starts a conversation in the rest of the organization too. So these guys walking around with these T-shirts all the time, all of a sudden say, how do I get one of those T-shirts? And that starts a conversation, and they actually go off and start to um, drive their own destiny and their own journey inside a cloud. Um, evangelists. So let's talk about evangelists. So again, going back on the 10% the, uh, model, uh, where you train 10% of your organization to actually change the language. So I actually took that but made it a lot smaller. So let's say I had a team of 10 people. I took who I thought would be an evangelist who, who has two specific skill sets for me. The first skill set was that they have the ability to change what they're doing. So they don't want to actually keep doing the same technology they are now. They actually have got a passion to do it differently. The second key component for an evangelist for me is that they'll go back and they'll actually teach the rest of their team. So they become a teacher and you can start scaling. When we kicked this off, we had so many people who wanted to get trained all at once that we couldn't actually cope with the demand. So by doing it in this way, we could actually scale it so they would go back to their other nine colleagues and start training them, but we would then catch up with the other nine eventually. But that enabled us to actually scale it a lot better. And finally, think big. It's like back to bold. If you've got an idea, don't be scared to put it out there. And that's one of the great things about NAB. They back you. If you've got an idea, they will actually listen to you. And if it's worthwhile, they'll actually back you and you can go off and do it. So this is where we are now. So we've, we've got about 4,500 employees who are now trained. So thinking back on 15 people in 2018, we've now got 817 certified people. Now, What's interesting for me is this is already out of date. So we, we created this, what, a couple of weeks ago? So we're now un, uh, up to 950. So in just a couple of weeks, got another 100 and, 100 and gosh, my mouth, 33. 
have been added to that as well. And what's really, really great on the next slide, what we found is if you get certified, we're finding that you'll go and get other certs. So um, I don't know how many you guys have got. How, how many multiple certs have you guys got? Two. So what we're finding is people are becoming self-learners. And that's what we need in the organization. We need you to go off and, and actually do the research, go and learn. Um, there's no more expectation that we need to train you anymore because you're self-motivated and you're going off and doing it yourself. Again, this one's already out of date. We're now on, on 1,300. So it is, it's um, become organic. We don't actually have to worry too much about trying to push anymore. Everyone just wants to get certified. So um, a couple of things to take away. Um, from sending people on a course, so we send 24 people on a course for the three days, what we found was that we could get the first 12 people certified within a week. So after they've done a three-day course, they go off and do study, and then they'll get certified. And the reason they got certified over anyone else is because they booked the exam straight away after the course. So they had that, that time limit or that, that time that they had to go off and study. What we found is if you left it any longer than a, than a month or so, the likelihood is you're not going to get certified. So one of the takeaways is if you guys are sending people on courses, get them to commit to a, a time of when they're actually going to take the exam. As um, Jonathan said earlier, not everyone loves three-day courses. So um, uh, especially in Melbourne, everyone commutes to work. So train or tram, however you get in. It's really important to be able to learn this stuff um, remotely as well. So we actually offer a Cloud Guru inside of NAB as well, so anyone can go do that. We also got Udemy and others as well. Um, so online courses and content is really, really important. But also experimentation, really, really important to enable your teams to experiment and try things out. So we spun up 13 experiment accounts that anyone in your organization can go off and use, and we just terminate everything that's on them every night. So you can actually go off and try new things. Um, with our other accounts, you can't. Um, we've got quite a, a, a set of lockdown rules of what you can and can't do inside of our accounts. But in the experiment accounts, we want you to go and try stuff. Um, so we've, we've set them up for that specific reason. Um, and also, this is a business-wide enablement plan. It's not just tech. This has to be explained to the whole business for them to actually get on the journey as well. If you think about how quickly you can now spin things up in AWS, our, our um, um, project managers and bankers don't know that now. You think about when we were spending millions of dollars to actually get an outcome of a project, we can now spend a couple of hundred to do the same thing. But our business don't know that unless they actually get trained. They don't realize what they can achieve. They don't realize what a minimum vile product we can actually do now. So from our perspective, training, training our internal staff and enabling was a goal that, that um, we needed to do because we could not get the 2,000 people hired. And it has become a really, really good win for us as well because um, one of the things that we found as we did this was that people actually want to come and work for NAB now. So it's been really, really good in that, that respect. Um, what I personally have learned from AWS is it's always about the customer. So that customer passion or the customer focus. So everything I do in my job now, I always make sure, is this going to meet my customer's requirements? And that's something I picked up on the journey for myself. Um, an interesting fact for, um, for you. So 
Uh, NAB now has 7% of all AWS certified individuals in Australia and New Zealand. So that's pretty good stat. We're actually the, the number one enterprise with the most number of people certified in Australia and New Zealand as well. So um, we've done quite well. Um, obviously, we're here today to just explain what we've been doing. And the other thing we've done as well is we've expanded it into our graduate program too. So what we're finding is when the graduates arrive at NAB, they're not AWS ready, they're not certified, or, or um, they have never tried it. So we've actually given all that feedback back to the universities as well inside of Melbourne and Sydney. And we've actually said, this is now what we expect. And we're actually changing what they're doing so that when they come and work for us, we don't have to retrain them for the first three months. So that's been a really good win for us. So the actual impact, um, NAB's a great place to work. We love it. Um, I, I, you know, I get up every day and think, right, what am I going to smash through to get for my customer now? It's, it's really good. Um, also, what, because we've become a learning organization, people want to come and work with us now. Um, and I'll give you an example of what happened. So um, has anyone been to a meetup or know what a meetup is? A few people. Awesome. So um, for those of you who don't, I would recommend downloading the meetup app. And then inside your city, there'll be a whole load of meetups and you want to have a look at the technical ones. So I'm really interested in AWS um, containers and serverless. So I go to those as frequently as I can. Um, and the great thing about the meetups is you get to understand what other customers are doing and what other people are doing and are you on the right track as well. So it's almost like a, um, an, uh, a check to see if you're doing the right thing too. Um, when I used to go to all these meetups, before we started the, the guild, we, um, I used to put my hand up. I used to say, we're hiring, and I had nothing. It was really, really interesting. So no one would come up to me. No one would say, I'll, I'll have a conversation with me. And the feedback from that was, well, you're a bank. You're not doing anything interesting. Why would I want to come work for you? That's, that's not something I want to do in my career. Since we've actually gone cloud first, um, the last time I went to a meetup, I put my hand up. I had about 16 people just wanted to come and have a conversation. A few of them actually wanted to come and work for us, so then I provided them to our talent acquisition team. But it just shows you that this journey has really, really um, been a great journey for NAP. And one of the changes, or one of the go uh, golden changes for me, was that we're now allowed to present. So before our CTO, Patrick Wright, it was a lockdown. So we could not provide blogs, we could not write anything in um, social media, um, we couldn't um, do presentations. The only people who could do it was um, general manager and above, so Jim and above only. For me, that was the big, biggest catalyst of change for getting out into the market. Um, people now know what we do, and I think that that one change has had a massive effect for that. Um, from a developer productivity, we're no longer vendor managers. So what we've found in our Git repos is they've spiked. Um, we keep on having to buy more and more licenses, um, which is a good thing. So we're, we're cutting more and more code. Um, when we first started in our AWS journey, um, and I'm not sure if anyone else has done this, we only had two accounts. We had a prod and a non-prod. Um, and now I think we've well over 550 ac uh, accounts inside our organization. So um, you can see that the maturity level just there alone. Uh, from an employment survey perspective, people want to stay. We're finding that people want to stay, and because we've given them the ability to learn, everyone says, oh, but if you, if you teach them, they'll leave. Yet yeah, there's that risk. 
But what happens if you don't teach them? It's a bigger risk. So what we found is they actually stay. Um, I can't remember what the actual stats are, but um, it's, it was a, a significant portion of people were staying once they got AWS certified in our organization. Um, and we've had to restructure several times as well. It's not been um, one restructure. We've been quite agile in what we've been doing, and we've been doing it across the whole organization as well. So um, we're starting to really um, um, get some great outcomes now. Um, the only other thing I was going to talk about was why certification. So I think you touched on it earlier, Jonathan, where you said the driving analogy. So that, that spells um, uh, a lot for me. So with um, that analogy, let's say you are a driver. I'm, I'm assuming everyone can drive here. So what do you do to get your license? So the first thing you do is you go and do a whole lot of practicing. Then once you're ready, you go off and you have an exam and then you do a practical. And then after you've, you've passed that, the government or the state are saying, well, yep, we trust you. Here you go. Here's your license. You can go off and do things. Take that analogy to cloud technology. What's the difference? How do I know I can trust you to go and do the right thing inside of cloud? That's my bar. If, if you're certified, I know that at least you understand the five well-architected pillars and the principles of what you need to do. I know you're going to do everything as code and I know that you're going to do the right thing for the bank. So that's why we always say we want you to get certified. I'm actually going to hand back to um, Jonathan now, so um, thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. That was amazing. A, uh, an inspiring story. Just want to remind you, um, you obviously can register to take exams here at uh, AWS reInvent. Um, it is available all week. And there are many different channels and ways to get your own journey enabled. And with that, I'd like to say thank you very much. <laughs>